you don't miss it. All right, this morning we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go ahead and turn on your Bibles, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we are covering the whole chapter today. So Miss Meg said that Pastor Tanner preaches long. Well, I'm going to try to preach too long today. All right, so uh, just pray for me. But uh, we're, we're, we're looking at this truth that everyone is empowered. If you know Jesus, then you have been given the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within you. And God's Spirit brings strength and power to our lives. And so I want you to repeat after me like you believe it. I have power. Not bad. I have power because God lives in me. One more time. Say it like you mean it. I have power because God lives in me. And now we're going to put it in the plural with some extra attitude, all right? We have power because God lives in us. Those of you who know me know that I want to just keep going. But I'm not going to, right? So this, this, this statement gets at the heart of our vision for 2022. All right. We said we want to learn, understand, grow in discovering and practicing the spiritual gifts that God has given us as his church as we follow Jesus, love people, and serve them in his name. And so at the very beginning of the year, and we uh, revisited multiple times this vision statement of what we want to see in our church family. Listen carefully. If you're brand new, it's time to jump in. We got two months left. And oh, by the way, we are stopping in 2023, living empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see a church full of people gifted by God's Spirit for the good of others. As each person's unique design is discovered, lived, and celebrated with equal excitement, we will collectively take thousands of joyful steps to serve others. Countless deeds of mercy, kindness, hospitality, healing, teaching, encouragement, and more will lead to story after story of the supernatural becoming natural and God's love going public in every corner of our church and city. Redemption Hill will be a church where everyone lives empowered everywhere. That's our vision. That's what we want to see. Yes, that's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying into. That's when we get together at Fire Nights this Friday night, we're going to be praying that God would continue to fill us up with this Holy Spirit. Not so that we can just, you know, you know, feel good or, you know, experience just more of God for ourselves. Although God wants us to experience more of him for ourselves. But he empowers us and fills us up that we might live a life that is giving his love away in a thousand different ways. And so last week we talked about Jesus is on the move. And if Jesus is on the move, then we want to follow him and be a church that is on the move. And I want to build off of that this week by saying this as we summarize what Paul is communicating here. If we live as a church on the move, it will be because every person lives in power. If we live as a church on the move, it will be because every person lives empowered. Let's look at the first 11 verses Paul writes for us in 1 Corinthians 12. It says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are, say it with me, empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. The first truth I want us to receive this morning is simply this. You have been empowered by God's spirit for the good of others. You have been empowered by God's spirit for the good of others. Paul begins and he says, look, if you have turned from living for these other false gods, and even sometimes the greatest false god in our lives is not money or, you know, achievement or whatever, but the the greatest idol in our lives is us. And so we turned away from living for ourselves and living for all these other things that are options in the world. And we said, no, God made me to have a relationship with him and to prioritize and love him and value him more than anything else in my life. And when God shows us how real he is and how Jesus lived a perfect life, died a substitutionary death in our place on the cross. He took the sin that we deserved and the judgment and death that we deserved that we might have life in him. And now we're saying, Jesus, yes, you are who you said you are. You are the son of God. You did rise from the dead. I want to follow you. And you are my Lord, my king, my boss, the one that I'm living for. God makes us new on the inside. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. And so what Paul begins here, he says, look, I don't want you to be uninformed. And this is our heart as a church. We want to make sure we're teaching about the spiritual gifts and helping us understand what they're about and how they work and all of these things. But he says all genuine activity of the Holy Spirit is happening in alignment with the central confession of Christianity, which is three words, Jesus is Lord. And then he goes on and he talks about what this looks like. And he he says that these spiritual gifts, which spiritual gifts are simply this. You might want to write this down. Spiritual gifts are any ability that are spirit-empowered abilities that uniquely equip followers of Jesus to strengthen the church and advance God's mission. Jordan Singh, in his book, Miracle Work, says that spiritual gifts give us a power boost in specific ministry areas. 
And what Paul says in verses 4 through 6 show us that all of the members of the Trinity, okay, there is one God, but this one God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And he's saying God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they are all actively working and giving gifts to followers of Jesus known as the church to live out their faith and be a blessing to other people. And so here we see this Trinitarian work of God. And if, if, if this weren't obvious, we, could, uh, we see it uh, immediately when we look at verse 6 where it talks about the same God, the Father, empowers. And then the very same language is used in verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. So you have God the Father empowering, God the Spirit empowering. And let's not forget about Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 7 through 11 say that when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to his people. And so these terms that we see in verses 4 through 6, gifts and service and activities, they can be used interchangeably. Uh, gifts, I think the most important word for the, the Corinthians and even maybe for us, it refers to grace gifts. In other words, we have what we have because God has given them to us as a gift, which means unlike the Corinthians, we shouldn't be boasting about it, right? It's like, oh, look at me. I'm such a servant. Oh, I'm so merciful, you know. And, oh, I got that word for them. And did you like, it's like, no, 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 no. God has gifted these to us. The charismatic grace, charis, it means that God has gifted them to us. But these words are nearly interchangeable. We could even say that spiritual gifts display themselves as activities of service. But then when we come to verse 7, I told you I was going to move fast. Today, uh, When we come to verse 7, I think, this is debatable, okay, but I think we come to what is perhaps the clearest and maybe the most important statement on spiritual gifts if we were just to find one verse in the Bible. I hope you have it in your mind and heart. If not, let's get it done by the end of the year, 2022, okay. To each is given a manifestation, or sorry, the manifestation of the Spirit, that's what the ESV says, for the common good. And so we see here that those first two words, to each. Again, if you follow Jesus, you should be saying, that's me. To each is given what? A manifestation of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts, when you see that word spiritual, by the way, in the New Testament, almost without fail, when you say, see the word spiritual, it is referring to things of the Spirit. Capital S, God the Spirit. These are gifts from the Holy Spirit. And when the spiritual gifts are at work, what happens, kids, check this out, okay, is that God actually who lives within us starts to be on display to the people around us. I mean, kids, do you guys love playing hide and seek? Raise your hand, kids. If anyone loves to play hide and seek, I see every adult, any adult still playing hide and seek. If you want to play hide and seek, by the way, adults, just come over to my house and I will let you give Marcia and I a break and you can just play hide and seek. All right, I'm just saying. But it's like, kids, you know, like, can you guys see, still see Pastor Tanner? You guys see me? Like, where am I? Like, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on let's have some fun today. Uh, you guys see Pastor Tanner? Uh, where am I? Oh, I'm not, where, you, you lost me. Oh, man, don't let me mess up the AV equipment, Lord. Here we go. Oh, oh, am I here? Well, I'm back. Like magic. Like magic. Oh, hey, David Copperfield ain't got nothing on me. Sorry, Lord, keep me humble. So, so, so kids, I disappeared for a minute, but then I, what, reappeared. And that's what this big word manifestation, I don't expect you to bring that into your elementary school, but it's important for us to understand that, to manifest something means to 
reveal it, to make it clear to the eye. So that something that wasn't visible now becomes on display for everyone to see. And God is saying to you, there's been a manifestation. The manifestation of the Spirit. But this is why. For the common good. God gifts each one of us. So that we would show people how great God is, and so that we would help people and, and serve them and meet their needs anytime that God is serving others. He's serving others through us. I love what Sam Storm says uh, in one of his books. I think it's uh, His Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. He says this, listen very carefully, especially you adults. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts are God present in, with, and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, human love. Spiritual gifts are concrete disclosures of divine activity and only secondarily human activity. Spiritual gifts are the presence of the Spirit himself coming to relatively clear, even dramatic expression in the way we do ministry. And then don't miss this. This is where it comes from in the vision statement 2022. Gifts are God go, going public among his people. Gifts are God going public among his people. When you serve someone, when you show mercy, when you teach someone, when you encourage someone, when you just help someone... By the way, when you're at church or when you're at work or when you're at your neighborhood, because last time I checked, the Holy Spirit doesn't go in and out depending on our location. God is going public. It's amazing. God's love is going public in every corner of our church and city. That's what we want to see. And then verses 8 through 10 serve as an illustration of this. Paul then begins to hone in, I believe, on some of the, 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 the gifts that were maybe particular issues where uh, the Corinthians started to feel extra special that God was working in these ways. And so he starts naming these gifts that are more miraculous in nature. And I just want to share what they are and quick definitions with you very briefly today. And if you want more, and I hope you want more, even if you heard the sermon in May, all right, you can go back on our website to our sermons from May where we preached a whole seven-week series on the spiritual gifts. And I unpack these in much greater detail. But first, word of knowledge or an utterance of, I mean, sorry, utterance of wisdom or a word of wisdom is speaking a message from God that provides direction. There's a guy in our community group that he just, at times, he'll just, he'll share a, a, a word and it's just so timely. It just gives direction to people uh, where they need it in their lives. Word of knowledge is sharing information given by God that is otherwise unknown. Faith, and we're all called to live by faith and walk by faith. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. But, but this faith that Paul refers to here, I believe, refers to believing God will work beyond ordinary expectation. And just like you want to know, Pastor Tanner, I believe God has given me the gift of faith. When I stand up here and give a 2030 vision and a vivid vision for our church, okay, I'm not blowing smoke. I believe it's going to happen. We believe that God can 
work and be, uh, or beyond ordinary expectation. Gifts of healing. This is restoring health, often physical health, apart from natural means. I mean, we're talking about people going up to people, praying over them, and them walking away healed. Miracles are extraordinary events, unexplainable by natural causes. Prophecy is speaking a message given spontaneously by God. This often happens in prayer, by the way. Distinguishing spirits are discerning between the demonic and the divine. Tongues are speaking a language unknown to the speaker. Interpretation of tongues are explaining those unknown languages. And I just want to pause and do a little excursus here because I know we all come from different faith backgrounds and church backgrounds. I've shared my story before of how, you know, I would have never, like, I don't think, like, kind of box God in and said, oh, God can't heal people today or whatever. But, but for all intents and purposes, I lived most of my Christian life as if these gifts weren't really available to the church today. And as you've heard, as we've journeyed as a church, that that is no longer my personal position nor the position of our pastors. And listen, if you're not all on board, if you disagree with the seven reasons I'm going to give you that I believe you should also believe that they are for today, okay, like you can still be a part of our church. It's cool. We aren't, you know, dividing over this issue. But I do want to share why we believe that these miraculous gifts are for today. Again, there is more in a previous sermon that is titled, Miraculous gifts are for today, all right? You can search it, probably Google it. But anyway, number one, expansive biblical evidence. Evidence for the miraculous runs through the Old Testament and the New Testament. What is more, listen, the Bible actually says that we should expect these specific gifts to continue until Jesus returns. I mean, if you just go to the next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through uh, 12, what you're going to find is that it says prophecy and tongues will cease, will stop when the perfect comes. I mean, just look around. Look in the mirror, look at our world, watch the news, and you know the perfect hasn't come because Jesus has not come back. And so uh, finally we also see that the Bible never indicates that any gift would cease. And I think the, the convincing argument, one that really brought me over the edge is you give a new believer the Bible and just tell them to read it for, from cover to cover and see what conclusion they're going to draw about this question. Number two, the age of the Spirit is now. This is the new covenant age. And Peter, when he was preaching on that very first day of Pentecost, he says that what you are seeing in Acts 2, he says, in quoting Joel 2, is that in these last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord, and they shall prophesy. In those days, I believe these are the days. There's no, this is the age of the spirit, the age of the church, the new covenant age. And God is still working in these ways. Number three, non-apostles practice these gifts. So a lot of times you talk to someone who doesn't believe that these gifts are for today. And they're going to say, well, the, these miraculous gifts, they were only given to authenticate the teaching of the apostles. And there are two major problems with that. Number one, it fails to recognize that the apostles were also authenticated by the power of their preaching, their godly character, and their endurance to suffer persecution. But then number two, it also fails to recognize that all, all the other people in the New Testament who practiced these gifts and were not apostles. 
So that's number three. Number four, the purpose of the gifts. I mean, just really listen in. I mean, whatever gift that God has given you, there are so many reasons he has given you those gifts. To serve the common good, we just saw it in verse 7. To strengthen and encourage others, Romans 1, 11 and 12. To equip and build up people, Ephesians 4. To edify and console, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. To bring conviction and point people to Christ, 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 5. And that's just the letters. If we go back to the Gospels, we see in Acts, we see how miracles glorify God. John 9, 3, display God's care and compassion. Mark 1, 40 and 41, display the kingdom of God. Luke eleven twenty, 20, and make way for the gospel. Acts 2 and 3. I love you like, wow, for real, God? Like you, all of that? And I'm just, I'm just like, this is not, this isn't like the linchpin argument. But I'm just thinking, simple thinker, Pastor Tan, like, Hey, God, if you're doing all of that through these gifts, then, like, are you just going to kind of pull those off the table? And it's like, like, we still need all these things. Number five, look at this. Number five, there is commanded pursuit. So when Paul's talking about all these gifts, he'll say at the end of chapter 12, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, when he'll say, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then in chapter 14, verse 39, he'll say, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. And this word earnestly desire, it's zelute. It means to, to seek after with zeal and passion. And that's why we're saying it's not enough just to get a little information and a teaching on a Sunday morning. Like we need to go and pray and pray some more and get into our prayer closets. Maybe get down on our knees and say, God, whatever it is that you want to do in me, whatever it is that you want to do through me, whatever gifts that you want to give me, God, I am signed up, ready to go. Use me as you will. God wants us to pursue these gifts. I don't have time to get into the evidence from church history or the unconvincing Say it with humility and love, unconvincing counter-arguments. But, but I do know, and, I, and I've, I live, listen, I've been there. I understand. Some of you are thinking, okay, Pastor Tanner, like, you gave me a lot there, and I didn't really grow up in a church that believed that the gifts were for today. And even I was a part of Redemption Hill for a long time. We didn't really even talk about the miraculous gifts. So, like, what's, why is that? And here are three just quick possibilities that I think are worthy of consideration. Number one, maybe you have seen the gifts, these miraculous gifts, and you just didn't recognize it. Like you just didn't know that when you were praying with someone and they seemed to be particularly effective in their prayer and even praying into stuff that was happening in your life, that God was giving them a prophetic prayer for you in that moment. Maybe you've seen it and you didn't recognize it. Number two, maybe God wants to give you these gifts, but you haven't asked James 4 says, you have not because you ask not. But then this one, this one is the most convicting. As Matt Chandler said uh, back in the day in the sermon, he said, perhaps the reason we are not seeing God display his power in these ways today is because we are not living lives that require him. What he's saying is we're not stepping out in faith. We're not taking risks in Jesus' name. We're not, we're not living lives that say, God, if you don't show up here and show up in an amazing, even extraordinary way, these people are not going to pay any attention to me or especially, God, you. And that doesn't, I don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we have to have a miracle every time we're sharing the gospel. Absolutely not. 
The miracles aren't the focus. The message is the focus. They're called signs and wonders because the signs and wonders point to the message of who Jesus is. This is why he gives us these gifts so that people can know God and know who Jesus is and what he is all about. And so first we see that we have been empowered by God's spirit for the good of others. But then number two, if that is true, and it is, then number two, we all need to play our indispensable part by serving with our spiritual gifts. And I'm going to read these as I go. So Tyler, either uh, pay attention closely or just let people flow uh, with their own copy of the word. So in verse, verse 12, Paul begins and says this. For just as the body, where, you, where are you kids? Hey, just as the body is one. Don't forget to keep up the times you hear me say body. Kids, when I say body, you. Okay. <laughs> the adults just got it. All right. All right. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What Paul is unpacking here for us is this. There is a beautiful unity because we all make up one body. The body is a, is a picture, an analogy, a metaphor for the church. But he also says that there is not just a beautiful unity, but there is a beautiful diversity because not one person in the body is exactly the same. These are just the kingdom facts. We're all different. Even if we have the same gifts, we, you, we operate in them in different ways, in different places, with different personalities. And so Paul is saying, look, the, the part that you play, and in Redemption, listen, I hope you hear this today. I mean, I love preaching this, and I'm going to try to preach it in a timely way. But listen, the part you play has value in this church. God, God like, when, when Jesus was doing his thing with his 12 disciples, he cared about all 12. Go read the, the story of John chapter 6 and the, the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples come back and they have 12 baskets full. Why is that? I believe it's because Jesus wanted each one of them to have a basket in their hands so that their faith would be built up and they all, 12 of them, would see who he is and what he's capable of as the Son of God. God wants all of us to be in this together as members of the body. And so there were some in Corinth that, that, that had this kind of in feelings of inferiority. And I don't have to have a personal like, conversation or interview with every single one of you to know that 100% of us in the room, Pastor Tanner included, at times have feelings of inferiority. 
You just, put, you just put you in the right room with the right people, and it's like we start feeling less than. We start feeling not as special. And this is what was happening in Corinth. There were some that were saying, you don't need me. My contribution doesn't matter. And this can happen in any ministry, even the platform, as I said. But let's think together. And Meg kind of already started to allude to this. But kids, where are my kids again? All the kids, raise your hand. Eyes on Pastor Tan. I know you're doing your, your, your clipboards. You're doing amazing. All right. Think about redemption kids. All right. I see you, Jordan. What's up? I see you guys. Wouldn't it be sad, kids, if some of our wicked, awesome redemption kids volunteers walked out on a Sunday morning and they said, I just set up the kids' space. I just hold babies and change diapers. I just make sure everyone is checked in and out safely. I just teach kids simple lessons anyone can understand. Which, by the way, is more difficult than what I'm doing right now. But kids, isn't it awesome? Kids, where are my kids? Where are the kids at? Hey, can I get a shout out, kids? What's up? That's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Showing love in the top row. I know who that is. All right. Isn't it awesome that the kids have people who roll in on a Sunday morning with the gift of service? Isn't it awesome that the kids have Leaders with the gift of leadership and people serving with the gift of administration to organize and plan everything. Aren't the kids so thankful for those that come with the gift of teaching and teach them the truths about Jesus? Can we as a church, we'll say it again, we will keep saying it at Redemption Hill Church. Can we take I just out of our vocabulary? I just is not kingdom language. I just is an affront to God. It's offensive. God gave you a gift, and whatever gift God gave you, it's a good gift because God gave it to you. And last time I checked, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights who doesn't change. The gift that you have been given is perfect, and it is good. And Paul, he, he goes on in verse 17, and look, he says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Kids, can you imagine if our bodies were just like one big eye? Think about that. Kids, have you ever seen like a movie or something really crazy? I can't think of one. They're like, the, just the, the person, the, the, the monster maybe, uh, was just all an eye. It's like all we would do is see really good and roll around. Isn't that silly? Or if we were just an arm, you know, we would like look like a tree or something. But instead, God makes our bodies and every part has a purpose. And that's how it is in the church. We need a variety of gifts to be all that God has called and commissioned us to be. But then, but then listen, listen. It's not just that sometimes we feel feelings of inferiority. But there are times when we feel feelings of superiority. And that's where Paul goes in verses 20 through 26, 21 through 26. Look at this. He says, the I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, I love what Paul's doing here, that seem to be, they aren't, they seem to be weaker. What are they, Paul? They are indispensable. Indispensable. 
Kids, do you guys ever have to clean your room? Adults? Married people, can I get a witness that are like my wife who loves the house clean all the time and I'm just slacking left and right and she's like giving me that look, like, can you help out here? All right, so I'm just saying, like, you know, when you start cleaning stuff and then you find out it's like, oh, we've had that for, for you know, 10 years and we never use it. And then it's like, what do we do? We dispense of it. We throw it away. We get rid of it. And, and what Paul is saying here, God sees every single one of us and every one of the gifts that he has given as indispensable. That means that we, we can't push them to the side. We don't want to throw them away. Or do it. We, we want to see all of them working together for the common good. And all of this drives us to, to care for one another and honor one another. Look at verse, verse 25. He says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The gifts are how we care for one another. And then in verse 26, he goes on and he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. What a picture of the church. This is why we have groups, by the way, because it's great to connect on Sundays, but we want to know what's up in people's lives. We want to be able to, if you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're suffering, I'm suffering. If you're just doing, doing great things, God is bringing some kind of awesome thing in your life, we want to rejoice with you and celebrate and Paul says this is we're, we're a body, we're, we're, we're connected, we all matter, we, we all are in this thing together. And so Paul once again then illustrates what he's talking about in verses 27 through 31. He puts the gifts that seem to be stronger with the gifts that seem to be weaker. And he lumps these miraculous gifts in with the everyday acts of service. I love what he does. Check this out. He says in verse 28, and God has appointed in the church. Hey, kids, do you know what a, a church is? A church is not a building. We, we know that because we rent right, for high school, hopefully. <laughs> a church is a group of people who follow Jesus. And, and let me put one more word on it. The church, kids, okay, listen, especially kids. I know some of the girls are like, I'm thinking, no, this is good. All right. The church is a group of people who follow Jesus Together. Together. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And so let me just share briefly what each of these gifts I think is a simple summary definition of each. Number one, apostles expand the mission. You want more? Go and listen to the sermon on Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verses 7 through 16. Prophets communicate God's heart, messages from God. Teachers explain God's truth clearly and with relevance. Miracles, again, are extraordinary events, unexplainable by natural causes. Gifts of healing or restoring health apart from natural means. Helps in service are giving time and energy to meet the needs of others. Administration refers to aligning resources to achieve a common goal. And we already saw tongues and, and interpretation of tongues. And then, and then Paul, if we, if we notice, there are a few important lessons I don't want you to miss in verses 29 through 31. He asked these rhetorical questions and the implied answer is no. Are all apostles in the church? No. Are all prophets in the church? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. 
Do all speak with tongues? It seems to be that the reality is no. We'll talk more about tongues in a couple weeks. Do all interpret? No. But, he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And so this teaches us no one has every gift. It teaches us that not everyone, it seems it teaches us that not everyone will speak in tongues. Now we can have a conversation about that in a couple of weeks. I'm going to dive more into that. But then, then thirdly, it, it, what it's doing is it's emphasizing the beauty of God's diverse and strategic arrangement of his gifts. And so what I want to do as we start to wrap up our time here, I feel like I'm at the like 36-minute mark. I don't know. I don't have my watch in front of me, but I'm just feeling that, all right? So thank you, Miss Meg. I'm doing good today. All right, but here's what I want to do before we wrap up, all right? We have fun together as staff team. All right, so if you serve on a serve team at Redemption Hill, I'm going to ask you to stand up. All right, hang on. If you serve on the venue team, you help, you come any Sunday, you set up, you turn an ordinary space into an extraordinary space. Come on, stand up, stand up. You're not standing, and this is going to take, you're going to make me preach longer if you don't start standing, right? Thank you. And how about, how about the music team? Can we get the music team to stand up right here? Thank you. You're looking good, music. How about AV? Come on, AV, right here, down here in the front. Get up, camera, thank you. All right, what about, what about our connections team? Where's the connections team? That's right, look at that. And then everyone who serves in Redemption Kids, stand up. Wow. Now wait, we're not done. We're not done. If you serve on one of our support teams, communications, finance, administration, facilities, would you stand up? If you serve on a ministry team, students, college, mercy, would you stand up? Now, now just, now just look around the room. This is, this is the vast majority of people in our church. And the reason we highlight this, we were just praying uh, before the service. And I just said, look, for most churches, you can, you can have a seat now. Thank you. You can have a seat. Uh, we should clap. No, no, no. Um, you know, I, I said this. I said this. And I know this. Most churches, even new churches, maybe especially new churches, but even, even churches that are older, they would, they would find out how many people serve in our church, many who aren't even here today. And the, the ratio of people who are a part of the church and actually serve in the church, like our, our numbers are off the charts. I'm just saying, like it is awesome. It is a work of God's grace to our church. And I just want to say as one of the pastors, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And at the same time, listen, uh, some of you are pretty new to Redemption Hill. Some of you are brand new. Maybe this is your first Sunday. Uh, some of you are not serving right now for a variety of reasons. Maybe life circumstance or whatever. We get it. But, but listen, what a great time. What a great opportunity as we consider how God has gifted us in the variety of ways for you to consider to start serving with a team at Redemption Hill. And in fact, sometimes I am guilty in fact, I had a conversation with GT. I call Glenn GT. Uh, I had a conversation with Glenn a couple months ago when he said, Pastor Tanner, we just after a fire night, by the way. He said, Pastor Tanner, we need to pray about this issue. We need to pray about it specifically. And I don't know about you, but too, too often I'm guilty of praying general players and not specific prayers. So we are praying that 10 people, all right, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, kids. Let's do it, kids. Come on, I love the kids that are here today. This is great. Kids, can we count to 10? 1, 2, 3. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
Dang, good job. All right. <laughs> oh, man, I got I to gotta watch. We're praying that 10 people would step into serving for the first time at Redemption Hill. And you can go to the Connect Center and you can find out more about these various teams. You can sign up through the app. But uh, we want to see that as, as God strengthens all of our teams. But now, but now listen, 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 listen. I want to finish with this one, this one word. This one word that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are, that's, that's you, that's me. We are God's workmanship. It means his poem, his work of art, his special creation. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared. That means he made ready beforehand that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, so here's the message. And this, I think, can summarize everything about everyone empowered and how we can live on the daily. Listen, God is so good and God is so creative that he sees every single one of our days and he has gone before us and he sees things, he sees opportunities that you're going to be able to take advantage of tomorrow when you go into work and serve a coworker. And then on Tuesday, he's already set up a specific way that you can serve a family member. And then maybe God's going to put something on your heart for a friend and you're just going to reach out on Wednesday. Thursday, he's going to tap you on the shoulder and remind you of a need in your community group. And you're going to check in with somebody. And then on Friday, you're going to find yourself speaking with a stranger. And you're going to walk away and you're going to say, God, what was going on there? Because I said some things and I did some things that I wouldn't have done unless you were going public through me. Can I get another amen? That was too weak. That was only one amen, and that was worth at least a couple amens. Can I get an amen? Amen. Wow. God going public through his people because everyone is living empowered everywhere. 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 Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that you did not just, like, sign us up for the team And then kind of kick us out on the street and say, good luck. (laughs) But God, you said, I got your back. I got your front. I got you. I got everything about you. And anything that you got is because I gave it to you. And so I just have already gone before you to to set up some good works that you're going to, 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 to walk in to serve. And so, God, I thank you. We celebrate the, the many, the, 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 the dozens and dozens, of, almost hundreds of people that are already serving in the life of our church. We say thank you, God. For, for We are a church on the move. We are taking ground. We are showing uh, people your love in our community. And yet, God, we know that there is more. And you have plans for us this particular week that we get to walk in. And so, Father, we pray that you would uh, just continue to keep us on the move with you. That, that we would uh, do everything that, 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 that you lead us to do as uh, you go before us. So, Father, empower us. May you, we, God, we pray that not one person, not one person would have a, a, a thought uh, this week of inferiority. And when we do, God, and we hear the lies of the evil one, may we say, no, 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 that's not true. My God is good. He's a perfect father. He's given me good gifts, and my gift matters. And God, protect us from feelings of superiority because everything we have is a gift of your grace. 
So we walk forward and we call on the name of Jesus wherever you place us, God. Send signs and wonders among us. Send the everyday ordinary acts of service that are loaded with your love and just show how great you are. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus.